Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. I actually have a question for you. I'm curious, do you have any new moves that you're working on? Hmm, new moves. I'm always kind of toying with a few things here and there, but the first thing that pops to my mind is uh, I've been playing around with trying to get a hoop. So I would take the disc and I'll zing it out in front of me into the wind and try to hoop the disc and keep the disc in the hoop and run with it into the wind. And so I've been getting close to where I can kind of run for, I've gotten it probably, I don't know, five to eight feet where I can keep it right in the middle of the hoop. And then there becomes some wind shear action. But it's really cool when you're, when you get it and you're actually watching the disc in the hoop right in front of you, you got to have good wind and consistent wind. That's kind of one thing that I'm working on at the moment. How about you? You got any moves that you're working on? Um, yeah. And actually, uh, I saw you doing that hoop move actually in Jacksonville. And I think I remember you trying it when you were here in Hawaii. Maybe that's when it first popped into your head. It's a pretty cool move. But so this one that I started working on, um, we were jamming on the beach in Jacksonville and it's really windy and I want to set a clock chestrel to people on my right but because of the the strong wind it's really hard to pass it right without it like blowing away and so I started doing this lift of my right hand which would just flatten it off and churn the angle and float it over to the people next to me and then Joey looked at me and he goes if you can do that you could do the bilbs roll and I thought I wonder if I could do the bilbs roll. So I've been sitting in my living room trying to figure out how to do it a little bit harder to get a steeper angle and then turn around and do that same chest roll and turn around and do the same chest roll the same way that that Bill Wright does it. But Uh then that reminded me when I was a brand new player, uh, I first saw Keith Armstrong play and he was doing this thing where he would chest roll clock and then when he set it off of his right hand, he would turn it completely upside down and then spin his body 180 degrees and roll it back upside down, uh, upside down counter, I guess. I've been trying to do that too, kind of going back and forth, flat, steep, flat, steep. And I'm getting to where, I'm not getting to where I can get clean rolls on the second half, but I'm getting to where I can do these really clean sets, flip it up, and it's just not wobbly at all. So that's pretty fun. Well, let's shift gears and get into the episode that we have for today. So We will be finishing up our conversation with Crazy John Brooks and hearing more about the Bud Light Tour. Enjoy. Some of it was bad. I remember a no-catch on one of those Cape Cod tours. Uh, This was a show out at Nantucket. They called it a... um, Every year at the same time, because it's called the, it's called the, it was a waiter waitress race is what it's called. And the bar that hosted it is called the Rosen Crown. Famous place. And... Chip and I had a gnarly night, like a historic, one of those historic ones, like uh, Lighthouse, Kahlua, Mushrooms, Rain, night, Floating Heads, uh, Fire Truck, Fire Alarm, all that one night. And the next day, you know, they're picking us up, go to the airport, and we go to do our gig, and we went catchless. Ouch. <laughs> I remember at one point, Chip stepped up, moved, made a move, uh, and he threw up before he came back. So I remember we were kind of tossing our heels a little bit. But we got a good talking to after that. 
by the good doctor. Says, well, boys, I'm glad we won't have to have this happen again, right? Yeah, okay. Deal's a deal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Could have been so much worse. This was like wallpaper moving and, yeah, fire. I'll never forget, um, Chip was at the other end of the hall of this hotel. Um, he inadvertently, he just didn't know what he was doing. We were having fun after work again, and he saw something on the ceiling. He, what the hell is that? And he like, you know, he's super tall. He just tapped it. And then he jumps up and punches it. And that's when the whole fire alarm went off in the building. Both floors, mostly old people. Yeah, I was a freak. Killed me because I had already seen the wallpaper move a little bit. And now I jumped. I leapt over the bed off of the rail and left for the beach and took off. I went back like, I think it was like a few minutes. And all the sand is going red, 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 red. I go, I better, I better go check on my partner. I went back and... And I went into the end door and, you know, it's just like red hotel, red hotel. That's in the firelight. Fire truck. And then I walk in and there's chips like at the other end of this whole wing of the building. And he's got a pillow up against one of these loud Altec horns, this huge horn. I won't blow your ears out, but he's got his pillow up there. But but I just walked in. I got one right here by me and ain't no pillow on that one. So I just my rooms right there. I walked in and got a pillow and I put a pillow on mine now we're kind of laughing at each other with that guilty smile you know from the vegetables and he got it down at his end the door just busted open just like <laughs> full fireman with the gear and equipment helmet oxygen axe comes down he's walking right at me and he's like and i'm and then so as soon as he passes chip i remember chip takes his pillow off so it's like mm, ah, and then i take mine off and then now the fire dude is here, and I go, it's right in there. And he takes his axe and flips it around and reaches up and goes, click, and the arm, alarm turned off. And, like, it just felt so stupid, you know. If I'd have known, you know, we would have done that. But he got a lot on that the same night. You know, the lighthouse and the Kahlua and the, the rain and the trapeze and catamaran on the beach and that red, green. Yeah, and the poor lady at the desk. After the fire alarm, I just walked up calmly. I go, yeah, it's our room. It's no problem. We're okay. Everything's fine. So, yeah, you can talk to the fire department. They're on their way. That's who I arrive at a no-catch routine is to do that the night before. Uh, yes, I could see how that would transpire. <laughs> one time we were warming up at this brewery opening in Fort Collins and uh, Anheuser-Busch spot up there. Chip, we were warming up out by the big tents, and they transformed the whole property, you know, Glidesdales and everything. It was all set up. It was epic. And then we're warming up. Pretty good crowd assembling, too. You know, it's just press and and uh, guests. No public yet. I mean, Chip was doing these incredible spins and just perfect. He's a Joey. Just, you know, he's doing the same thing, warming up. He does the same way every time. You know, Chip, he goes out there, he's shredding right away. Well, I thought I'd start out with a triple reverse, and, you know, that's just chipper. But then uh, he was not catching. He just wasn't connecting. You know, he was beautiful, like I said, everything. And then clap, and then you hear that sound with a disc on fresh asphalt. Trish, trish. He just got tired. So finally, he's kind of got pissed off and turned around and just swung like full field goal kick. He was going to launch this orange pylon cones, but it was uh, right on top of this two-inch wide tent stake. And uh, that's when he broke his foot. What was that? Yeah, it was like on a Saturday. Fort Collins was small enough where their main medical building was one floor, something like that, it seemed. Send him in a taxi for medical. Wow. And then you guys had to do, you and Joey had to do the show on your own. 
Yeah, yeah. And then uh, actually, you know, Bill Wright got some of this. Now he subbed in one time. God, I hope I paid him. I I paid <laughs> if you're Bill. listening, Bill, let, <laughs> yeah. let John know yeah, if he owes hear. you anything. Bill will hear. <laughs> PayPal or something. I'm sorry about it. It's not PayPal, it's Pay Bill. So funny. Gotta pay my bill. But he he did great. It was awesome. Love Bill and Holly. So, yeah, Bill's the best. Um, I want to steer it a little bit towards um, just freestyle competition in general. So let's say that you are in charge and you can make the freestyle competition and the sport into anything that you want. How would you change it? How, how do you envision it? What's the perfect freestyle competition? Well, my original dream was to kind of a uh, big top mentality, but you know, the tennis court, the tennis venues, ideal spot where you can incorporate public and sound and audiovisual and all the elements, all the nice assets for freestyle, captive audience and infrastructure to make that happen. Or just maybe do you go to AstroTurf, you know, for a while playing so much on the road? I know that we preferred hard surface rather than, you know, shitty grass any day. I think that. It's kind of more of a public opinion thing about the surface. But, yeah, I could imagine a tennis court like at the Wimbledon, you know, but no net, like arena, people a lot closer to the players. The spectators should just be almost right on top of the players. I think it would be cool to do, um, I think Instant Replay has some room here to, you know, to help things. Some things happen so fast. Now, it's whether we're talking about the player's benefit or the audience benefit. You know, this is my my biggest concerns are for the audience. That's just where I come from. But uh, I'd like to see the audience get a little more education during the time they're going to experience a team. So it's maybe like uh, a team could have uh, maybe if they're doing a four minute routine, well, they're going to have a four minute introduction, something like that, where you can roll some assets per player or per team you know, for them, show some nice select video on this team so it can kind of help the audience get a little more familiar with, if you can, in the short amount of time, with, a, with maybe have a chance to pick a favorite or to, you know, prepare themselves to recognize something. But I like to familiarize an audience and uh, warm them up. Uh, a lot of times people just don't know what to think. And they're watching a, a a freestyle routine, it's all happening so fast. And if you're not a player, uh, it, it takes longer to process, it seems. Yep. You don't really yeah. see and understand exactly what's happening and what's good and what's ho-hum. And yeah. Yeah. Totally. And uh, maybe after the routine, maybe there's a 60-second cool down where they can, you know, they have a, you know, a quick edit guy there on the wheel, just work out some instant replays and do some gathers and reviews while the judges you know instead of buy them time just allow them time and a little smoother changeovers and transitions between teams um but uh and then i i do like the entertainment and i I think uh, maybe space between routines is needed that's why these you're going to roll some type of a teaser before they actually physically appear so yeah that's uh, great because it can get it can tie the audience like it, it gets the audience to know who the players are. I think that's one of the gaps that we have now. Is if you're, yeah. you just walk up and you see it, you have no idea who these people are. But if yeah. you see the pre-roll and it introduces the people and shows you their skills and and like the the work that they've put into to get to this point, it it ties you emotionally to the team. Yeah, highlights like like a sizzle. Uh, you'll see it on. Like tennis, you know, Wimbledon, any player highlight, they're going to have a 30-second sizzle. It's just killer. It's top stuff. You're right. And uh, 
you know, what happens if the team, uh, you know, let's say, you know, roll assets and we're coming into time, music starts, shitty routine, shitty result. Here comes this instant replay. You still have a chance to leave a positive impression because instant replay, they're not going to show the drops. They're, they're going to show as much good as possible. So you have a, an honestly, uh, you have a, an unveiling. And then you have an actual appearance happened by the team. And then you have the walk away. The lasting impression is what you see last. So I think it gives a kind of gives some indemnity in the end in case you don't have a, if you have a less than desired outcome of your routine, no matter what round it is, still have a positive note to leave on with your audience. So crazy. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but this World Urban Games, it just happened. They actually got as close to that package that you're talking about that I've ever seen. They had announcers. They did do the instant replay at the end and they were just showing, you know, all the highlights and they had a nice little arena that they had and they had, you know, really expensive cameras. It was high production. That's the closest I've ever seen to that vision that you're talking about. And I agree with you very much that that is something that's got legs to to it yeah the more you just get get the audience and the players as close as possible the end result is a comfort zone for everybody yeah, for we're sure. still selling the game you know still selling it it's not complete in any way it's uh, hasn't reached its peak and won't have a chance to even reach its full potential until the audience finds out more the players know everything but we're still trying to describe you know what's in the package it's a tough one. It may not, maybe that's not important either. I don't know if we're trying to sell the whole world on freestyle. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's certainly worthy of the conversation though, you know, in- interesting to discuss for sure. So I, I here's some, we didn't touch on it all. And I'm just curious just to hear your thoughts of what do you think of the whole Euro wave? Like, have you had a chance to kind of see all these new players coming onto the scene or sink your teeth into any of the, the footage? I don't know if I've been able to grow close enough to any of the personnel, really, um, just out of respect. You know, there's a lot of kindness, a lot of good words that come from Europe back in our direction. And um, I'm just glad that uh, and I wouldn't call it a resurgence. I would just call it, you know, it's still ramping up. You know, this is a good sign. If you're looking for signs of life, then look for signs of happiness. So I see a lot of happiness coming out of these um, uh, these posts recently and uh when people are excited to get together that means that you know it's just going to stave the boredom and and uh, keep the fire lit that's what really helps is the kindling you know that's required to stay stoked on something uh with europe and they had to watch for so long you know they had to come over here for years and years and uh so with that in mind i like it that they're actually getting a fair shake and they're getting you know there's ample respect from the beginning, but they actually get to, you know, feature their players on their home ground. And that is good for your stock. That is good for the player's IP and for the team's IP. And 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 with that, you know, I think Europe has something cooking. They have a lot of, you know, exciting locations to play. If you notice, the Europeans like to have fantastical venues. And, uh, and that's huge. That helped. Uh, but, uh, man, it seems like they're in no shortness of, no shortness of passion and talent and Nothing but good can come from that. Do you ever play anymore? Do you still jam or? You know, I've, I've self-set a couple of delays maybe in the last decade. I just, my body just doesn't do that anymore. I've, um, you know, I've had some joint replacements and what have you, but being focused on golf, you know, it takes, uh, it, it, you have less screws and bolts and there's fewer moving parts to a golf 
you know, to a golf body, golf machine, than there is to freestyle, obviously. And unfortunately, I've let a lot of those uh, abilities and, and, you know, daily actions, daily movement sets uh, go. But it doesn't yeah. mean I can't jump off shit anymore. I mean, I still, you know, have as much fun as I can. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, don't do the. If I spin, I'm going to spin indoors where I can, you know, do it in the bedroom where I can fall right onto the mattress. Like well, the toothbrush I, is about the only thing I could do. I'll take, I bet I could do a nice 360 in about five tries. All right. So this is a question that we ask everyone. So what is your favorite kitchen utensil? Everybody's going, I can tell your, your listeners are going, bottle opener, bottle opener, bottle opener, bottle opener. But it's not. Uh, well, I have to say the one I use the most is it's a wire. Mine has a gorilla on the inside of a whisk. That's what it is. A whisk. It's a whisk. A, a small whisk. But mine has a purple gorilla on the inside of it. Inside the whisk in the in the wire. Yes. Nice. <laughs> so it makes it very special. Really mixes uh, it up good. It's a strong mixer. But how do you clean the gorilla? Yeah. With my hands. Some soap. I don't use Gorilla Cleaner anymore. It's expensive. I have a clean Gorilla. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard that sentence in my life. I have a clean Gorilla. It's really whiskey. <laughs> I have a clean Gorilla. Just know I appreciate your ears. It's nice to be, it's nice yeah. to be not forgotten. Thank yeah. you. Jake. I was just going to say we appreciate your, your story and you're lending us your voice. So it was uh, very... Very fun to listen to your account. Again, like Jake is saying, grateful that you joined us. And I look forward to sharing your journey with the fans and the audience out there. My pleasure. Hey, a Storks, real quick, Stork story, real quick. Sure. At the, yeah. at the Olympics, um, 80, 84, East LA College. Yeah, let's see what it would be. 84, yeah. Um, was a big part of the presenter there on the campus, this particular Big event was on East LA College campus. They had a nine hole disc golf course. Scott Zimmerman was kind of in charge of that. Danny McKinnis was involved. They gave Chip and I, we were there to perform the freestyle part. They gave us a couple of celebrity people, and Chipper got Ken Norton, the boxer, and I got Ken Norton Jr., his son. The deal was that his hands were so big and so bruised and crushed and cry, he couldn't hold the frenzy. So he, uh, I can't do anything crazy. So he takes my guy, and I take the old guy, and then he started and hooked him into a one finger sidearm, and then he was almost deadly with it. But Ken Norton. Uh, but the funny part of this is that Stork is introducing us before our little freestyle routine. It's got some people of the IOC, and they got some dignitaries and a bunch of press, and we're fixing to play right here in front of these people. Really nice setup, and. I'm just cleaning my glasses while Stork's talking, and he starts saying, shiver, and then this and that, and I put my glasses back on, snap. My glasses broke at the nose piece in half, dudes, in half. Ain't no show going to happen here. And I just happened to remember is that, look right over there, there's her nail kit, got me some crazy glue, put a drop on there, held it for 30 seconds, Stork's still talking now, he can tell he needs to vamp a little bit. And then I'm like, I think they're good. And I put them on there real careful. Got the strap over. Chip's like, are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, yeah, let's go. So then Chip, and we go. Stork, here they are, the Bud Light team. So we do our routine. 
And then uh, we're done. And it's like this. Thank you so much. And bam. And then we walk off. Just get about 20 feet. And then uh, so out of breath. And uh, and I'm trying to wipe off. It's sweating profusely, you know. So And then I uh, was taking my glasses off. But the glasses were like permanently glued to my nose for like a day after that. <laughs> and it, I mean, a big chunk. I still have a little bit of a scar. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was gnarly, dude. In uh, my uh, Santa Barbara, you know, my part-time job, every pro Frisbee player needs a part-time job. I was a technical technical director at the Alacama Theater in Santa Barbara, and I remember running rehearsals one afternoon, running lines with these people and doing their music cues. And my wife at the time was actress over there. I heard this blood-girdling scream back in dressing rooms, and I'm way up in the back of the theater up in my booth, and I'm running down there, running, screaming, running all the way around the building. I can hear blood-curdling screams. Something terrible has happened. And I walk into the back door. All the ladies are in the dressing room. They're, they're all crowded around this one lady, and she's leaned back, and she just cries. She's like, oh, my God, I'm an octopus. It turns out she had she was putting her contacts in, and she accidentally grabbed her nail glue and put two drops or three drops of crazy glue in her eye. She thought they were her eye drops directly in her eye. And then immediately her eye, you know, upon closing, it is just shut. And I, and I go in there, I'm like, dude, this is horrible. And she's starting to like hyperventilate and just really freaking out really quick. I remembered something we all know as freestylers. If you ever need to get some of that extra crazy glue cake off of your nail, you just suck your finger and it'll go away. So I just added one and one together. And I said, listen, just you know, trust me, here to help you. And this lady's kind of freaking. I've been there like a minute now. And I tilted her head back and I welled up in her eye a bunch of spit. I kept spitting and welling it up in her eye and massaged it and got her eye to open up and everything. Like 30 minutes later, it's like, yeah, what's up? Oh, my God. I spit in my eye. I'm so pissed. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. But they trusted me after that. Oh, crazy John. Yeah. spit in your eye. Sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Hmm. Oh, man. All right. Well, I guess this is it. Our time has come to an end. All right, buddy. Well, thank you and uh, appreciate your patience. All right. Take care, Craze. Talk to you later. later. Love you guys. Have a great, great day. Rest of the day today. Good on you. First breeze and all. All Bye-bye. See you. Well, I just want to thank Crazy John Brooks again for joining us here on the podcast. Really so fascinating to hear his journey and stories and 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 the Bud Light tours. But I have never heard of anybody having a whisk that had a gorilla in the middle. That is a first. And also, and I had no idea that you could get super glue off of something with saliva. So had you ever heard of anything like that regarding super glue? No, I had no idea that saliva would counteract super glue. If I'd have known that over the years, it would have been very useful because I've glued myself together <laughs> numerous occasions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you mean like put your arm back on or something? Yeah, or like my fingers are stuck together and like, okay, <laughs> just lick it to get it off. No, I just peel it apart. <laughs> I know. I had never known that. I would have definitely used that tactic as well. Yeah, totally. But I have used super glue since, since I always have super glue around in my jam kit. I've used it for all kinds of things for little household repairs like fixing my coffee cup or one time I fixed my countertop was this laminated countertop and it was starting to peel up some little super glue and held it right down but um doesn't work for everything I tried it so I had a pair of jam shoes and the front sole started to peel away and of course I'm jamming so super glue on the shoe put it back together 
run out to the jam. It probably lasted an hour and then pop right back off again. So it doesn't work for everything. Yeah, well, super glue is good for a lot of things, but not when you give it high impact. Yes. And on that note, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee. Oh, yeah!